want to talk to you this morning about faith or fear. God is faithful even when we aren't. Amen? And in our study of leaving Egypt and moving to the promised land, we have seen God's faithfulness over and over again, even when the Israelites were not faithful to God. You remember the Israelites had been in Egypt for over 400 years. When Moses led them out to begin their journey to the promised land, the land that God had given to Abraham many years before. And he had told him that this would be their land to live in. It was promised to them. And the Israelites, after being in Egypt, were told by Moses that God had said he was going to bring them back into that land again. So we read of the deliverance of the nation of Israel, the deliverance through the Red Sea, the destruction of the Egyptian army that followed by God doing a miraculous work that day and causing the sea to open and the Israelites to go through on dry land, not muddy land. And then the destruction of the Egyptian army who followed them thinking that, well, if God can do this for them, he can do it for us even though we're not following him. And God brought an end to their pursuit of the Israelites. We then saw that God provided quail for them when they wanted meat. He provided manna for them day after day to give them food, nourishment through their journey in the Sinai Desert. He provided water for them, water that came gushing out of a rock. We read of the encounter with God on Mount Sinai the giving of the commandments and the giving of the law, followed by the construction of the tabernacle, the holy place, and the holy of holies, and the ark of the covenant. And then we saw the power of God descend on that tent with such thick covering that Moses couldn't go inside. And by nighttime, there was fire upon the altar and the people knew that the presence of God was with them. Then we read of the form of worship that was expected, the atonement sacrifices for the sins of the people that foreshadowed the perfect atonement of Jesus Christ when he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. So after spending about a year at the base of Mount Sinai, the presence of God said it was time for them to move on. And the Israelites came to the border of the promised land and camped in the desert of Paran. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. There in that area, in the encampment, God spoke to Moses. And he said, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. I like that. I'm giving it to you. It's going to be something that is beyond your expectation. It's a fertile land. God had already told them it was a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the land that I have promised you. I am giving it to you. 
from each tribe send one of its leaders. Then skip on down to verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or unwalled or strongholds fortified. And whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage. By the way, bring back some of the fruit of the land. We want to see that. So they went up and they spied out the land. Verse 23 says, And they came to the valley of Eshkel and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also brought back some pomegranates and figs. So what the spies found was a land that was very fruitful, just as God said it would be. We move on to verse 25. At the end of 40 days, so almost six weeks, guys, walking through the land, looking it over, going up into the hill country, going down to the coastal areas where the Canaanites lived. They returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Caleb, Joshua are guys who have faith to believe that God has given them this land. They are full of excitement. They are full of energy. They believe that with God, all things are possible. And about this time, the other 10 spies that went with Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, but the people who dwell in the land are strong And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Wow. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. And apparently the people begin to react in fear. So verse 30 says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Hush. Yeah, I know there's a but over here. There's a report that there's going to be problems. But just hush a second. 
Basically, shut up. Let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. Don't you just love Caleb's attitude? Hey guys, we can do this. No big deal. With God on our side, all things are possible. And God said he was going to give us this land. And yeah, the giants that live in this land are huge. But they are so tiny in comparison to the almighty God that we serve. And this is no big deal. God said he would fight our battles for us. Let's get up and let's take this land right now. Jump ahead to chapter 14, verse 24. Read what God has to say about Caleb. God says, My servant Caleb has a different spirit or attitude and has followed me fully or wholeheartedly. Caleb's positive attitude was based on his faith in God. He didn't just have faith in faith. He had faith in a miracle working God who could, at the power of his word, remove mountains and make a way where there was no way and divide the sea and make a path where there should not have been a path. And he could produce water out of a rock and provide manna when there was no food. And Caleb wholeheartedly believed that if God said he was going to give them the land and would fight for them, then God was totally able to make it happen. And Caleb had no fear. Let's take it. And God sees Caleb's life. He says, I like that. I like that spirit. I like that attitude. What kind of attitude do you have? Do you trust God when life gets hard? Do you believe that all things are possible to him who believes? Do you believe that God is a miracle-working God today? Can you trust him in all areas of your life? Can you trust him with your finances and your tithes and your offerings? Can you put your future in God's hands and trust him to give you wisdom to make right decisions? You see, it's easy for us to theoretically believe and trust God and have faith. But will we put it into action? Will we put it into practice in our lives? God says, I am for you, not against you. And Caleb's attitude was central to the way he lived and the way he looked at life. He could either have faith in the promises of God or he could live in fear that maybe God wasn't big enough to supply all of his needs. I've told you I have tattooed on my right shoulder Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Guys, that needs to be tattooed on our heart. 
Not just on our arms. It needs to be tattooed on our, uh, in, on our heart. I can. In 2019, do all things that God gives me to do and that he will give me the strength to accomplish what it is he has asked me to do. Another verse from Paul's writing that expresses our trust in God is Philippians 4.19 that says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All your needs, friends. What do you have need of? No, I'm not asking what is it you want. I'm asking what do you have need of? Do you need a miracle? Do you need a healing? Do you need a relationship restored? Do you need faith to move forward in life? Do you need a mountain in your life removed? Do you need faith to remove fear of the future? I believe that God has the power to supply all your needs. Our attitudes really have everything to do with the way we see things and the way we see life. Our biggest challenge in life can often be to make sure we see life from God's point of view and to focus on God's strength and God's power and God's sovereignty. How do you see life? Is the glass half full or is it half empty? These are things I've had to work on because I have been a realist. Because God can turn water into wine and can raise the dead to life and to give sight to the blind and make the lame to walk and make a way where there is no way, he can give us faith and hope and a future when this world looks dark. If you watch the evening news or listen to the news, you can soon get discouraged because we live in a sinful, corrupt, depressing world. I have been disappointed with the Democrats. I have been disappointed with the Republicans. I have been disappointed with the president. I have been disappointed with other leaders of nations around the world. I have no clue what's going to happen with Korea. I have no clue what's going to happen in any nation, but I believe this. God is sovereign, and if I focus my attention constantly on what is going wrong in the world, I can soon become a depressed, pessimistic person because I'm focusing not on God and his strength and his power, but I'm focusing on the circumstances. Guys, we simply need to have God's spirit within us. Caleb had a different spirit. He had a different attitude. And he began to focus on God. And if we will begin to focus on God instead of the problems in our lives, it will not only change our attitude, it oftentimes will change the circumstance as well. You hear what I'm saying? Get your eyes off of the giants in your life and focus on God and his power. I can 
do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I've been asked repeatedly, I've been asked this week by some other friends that I've made, another new pastor friend in my life, and he said to me yesterday, John, how's your health? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I said to him, some days I can ride my motorcycle and some days I can't. But I believe that God is not finished with me yet. Because he still gives me strength. He's still my God. He still has promised that I can do all things that he wants me to do. So we need to have a biblical worldview. Amen? That's a worldview that believes that God is in control, that he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. It's the viewpoint that we need to align our focus with God's focus and align our attitudes with God's attitudes and our opinions and our actions with God's will and God's word. So Caleb had a different attitude and a different spirit than the other spies who saw the giants and the obstacles and were afraid to trust God and take the land. And the men who had gone with him said, chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, we are not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. You remember Goliath lived in that land. He's over nine feet tall. He had brothers. He had cousins. There were generations of people that had interbred and there were huge giants. And there we saw the Nephthalim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephthalim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them. Have you ever felt small? I recall being in an airport. I'm trying to think where I was. I think I, think I was in Salt Lake City. And all of a sudden, this tribe of Amazon women <laughs> surrounded me. These were tall ladies. They were a basketball team from one of our colleges. Every one of them was taller than me. And I felt like a grasshopper. Can you imagine men that are over nine feet tall in the land who are warriors? 
So these huge guys are so impressive to the other ten spies that they are afraid to do anything. Don't you just love negative, pessimistic people who love to dampen the hearts and the minds of people who want to trust God? Oh, I don't think God works that way anymore. Oh, I don't believe that God is a God of miracles for today. It all ended with the death of the disciples. There are some negative people who won't celebrate anything because they know bad things are going to happen. Oh, I don't like going to birthday parties because they put candles on it and kids come and spit all over the candles when they're trying to blow it out. I don't like to go to birthday parties. It doesn't matter what it is. They're against it. (laughs) Let's read about the effects of the report of the people in chapter 14. Beginning with verse 1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry. And the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Guys, I'm not talking about four people out of a crowd. We're talking about two million people upset. Two million people crying in their tents at nighttime. Two million people upset at the leaders, Moses and Aaron. Why in the world did you bring us here? And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. That's the kind of people you want to lead. Crying in their tents. Afraid to move forward? Can you imagine these guys who are to take the land, these guys who are to lead the nation, these guys who are to become warriors, crying in their tents, and then freaking out because a few guys didn't believe that their God was big enough to stomp out their giants and lead them into victory. A few negative people can turn a crowd into a mob and turn a mob into a riot. And a riot can turn evil immediately. We have seen that, haven't we? So we read on verses 5 through 9. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, 
who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Wow. The differences between those who put their trust in God and those who trust in their own strength is so evident here. Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb believed that God was not only able to take them into the promised land, but was also able to remove the protection from their enemies and to give them the victory because God was with them. Listen, church, I believe that God is greater than all our adversaries. I believe that God is bigger than any demon. I believe that God is bigger than any addiction to drugs or alcohol or lust or pornography or anything else that hinders your walk with God. I believe that God is greater than any giant in your life and he wants to give you victory over your past failures and over your past doubts. And when the enemy of your soul comes in like a flood, says that the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And I believe that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So get your focus on God. Put your attention on him. We serve a big, big God who is for us and not against us. And because of that, you and I can be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. We can be overcomers. We can take the land that God has promised. We can defeat the giants in our lives. So what do the people do? Verse 10, it says, All the congregation said to stone them with stones. Let's kill Moses and Aaron. They brought us here. We could have died in Egypt, but instead they brought us here to this land and now we'll be killed with the sword. Let's stone them. Let's shoot the messengers. No, don't shoot them. Let's stone them. And God had had enough. And verse 10 says, that the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. God says to Moses, verses 11 and 12, that he was going to strike the people with pestilence and he was going to disinherit them. And he was going to start over and build a new nation through Moses and his descendants. Now remember, guys, they had just threatened to stone Moses, and Moses intercedes for them. You talk about a man who is humble. 
and a man who has the Spirit of God upon him. Because I think I probably would have said, go get him, God. (laughs) Show him who's boss. But Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. And God determines that the people may live. But they will have to return to the desert and spend one year in the desert for every day that the spies were in the land of Canaan. That comes up to 40 years. So for 40 years, they lived as nomads in the desert until all of those who were over the age of 20 had died, except for Joshua and Caleb. Church, we can allow the circumstances in our lives to lead us to total dependence upon God, or we can allow the circumstances to freak us out and to remain in bondage and fear. We have a choice to make. Faith or fear. Focus on our circumstances or our giants or focus on God. Listen, if you are in Christ, you have full access to the presence of God and you are more than able to stand and see the salvation of our God. You are more than able to be an overcomer and to fight the good fight of faith. And with the armor of God on, you can be God's man or God's woman and enjoy the victory that God has promised. For he said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. I've come for that. So don't duck your head. Don't be discouraged. Don't be overcome by the circumstances of life. Trust me. Put your focus in me, Jesus says. I am at the right hand of God the Father. And while you are looking at the giants in your life and the circumstances in your life, I am making intercession for you to my Father. Wow. When you recognize the authority that you have in Christ, it makes a total difference if you will stay focused on God. I'm done. So let's stand. And let me pray for you. Father God, here we are. So many times we have been like the children of Israel. Afraid of the circumstances. Afraid of the giants in our lives. Afraid that maybe this will happen or this will happen. Lord, I ask that you would increase our faith. May we be totally dependent upon you and look to you for our strength. Because we recognize that in our weakness, we are made strong when Jesus is with us. So Holy Spirit, I ask that each person here today will be filled to the top, be filled to overflowing with faith in God. And then, Lord, may we put that faith into action in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.